we'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. From cow to butter, making raw milk butter on your homestead. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Carol. How are you today? I am good. All right. Same here, enjoying our nice weather. And our topic today is butter. And that is something that um, happens on my homestead about five times a week, if not every single day we make butter. All depends on how much fluid milk I have sold and whether we have cream that needs processing. And so it kind of fluctuates in there. But I would say on average, we do butter on our farm five days a week. At least. Yeah, I would say so. And sometimes we do two batches in one day, which is is eight to 10 pounds of butter. In one batch or together? Together. Okay. Yep. And we we yield three to four pounds, or I should say three to five pounds per batch. Kind of depends on on the the thickness of the cream and the age of the cream. Oh, And our churn only holds a little over a gallon. And so for the most part, one quart of cream gives you one pound of butter. That's probably your average. Do you separate your cream? And then do your butter the same day or do you do your cream and then do butter the next day? No, we separate our cream on day one and um, we have found that it actually works better to have a little age on your cream. Okay. So you can do it the same day, but it seems like the yield is less. So it does better if you've separated your cream and you've let that cream chill for a day or two and then bring it back up to temperature. For us, that is right around 55 to 60 degrees works best with our milk with our cream from on our farm. Now I read other places it's different. I suppose environment and type of cow, what they're fed. Yep. Amount of cream, how thick your cream is, all those things affect that. But I thought maybe we'd first start a little bit about the history of butter. Yeah. And how long butter's been around. Now my research took me all over the place. I didn't go that deep. (laughs) Mine it did. It took me all over, but I kind of gathered from several different websites and they all kind of gave the same basic story that it's probably been around since 9000 BC. Perhaps someone, a shepherd or somebody had sheep milk in and then they said, it said milk, not cream, it said milk, put it in a sheepskin bag and tied it to the back of a sheep and they went on a journey across to wherever to market, to new fields, pastures, whatever And at the end of that journey, he discovered when he took that milk bag off of the sheep that he's got this beautiful, wonderful, sweet treat in there. Have no idea if that's true true or not. I've heard the same thing about cheese and how that was discovered. But they talk about using like a calf stomach or a sheep stomach where they got that rennet in there to make that. So that was a little bit different. But I'm not exactly sure if... They just say milk and they really mean cream because you really can't make butter from milk. You yeah. really have to separate the cream from the milk. In my research, that's that's kind of what I found. And they all think it was just kind of a little accident. And originally, butter did not come from cows. 
that came from other domesticated animals, such as sheep, goats, and yaks. Cow butter is fairly new in the scope of yeah, how long butter has yeah, been around. Yeah. Then my, my research took me to, well, people stopped using animals to agitate their milk product to make butter. Then they just simply shaked it in a bag. In ancient Rome, butter was forbidden by their gods to consume. So they used it as, they used it in cosmetics and they used it for wound care. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, because it would have been a fermented product back then too. Yeah. You know, I know that fermented products work really good at wound care. Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. (laughs) It was forbidden by the gods. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody made up that rule. They wanted all the butter for themselves. And who didn't like snitch a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. It's like... Um, and I also, it was also considered um, a sign of purity and lots of times butter was used as a, something you give to the gods, a oh. gift to gods oh, so maybe that they that's would where bless it came you, from that you know, that type of thing. You weren't supposed to eat it. You were supposed mm-hmm. to give it to the gods. Yeah. And then hence it was wasted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's really sad, isn't it? <laughs> I also learned that the Northern Europeans, it said due to the cold climate, and this was off of milkyday.com. They had a whole article on, on, on butter they said that it was more popular as a use in northern European countries than in the southern European countries where ghee and olive oil, those those things were yeah. used more and that the southern Europeans actually considered butter a barbaric item because northern Europeans were not exactly the nicest people on the face of the earth. <laughs> Yes, I, I've gathered that from reading <laughs> histories and watching movies. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that they didn't want to consume it because <laughs> it was considered like, a barbaric food. But anyway, as my research into this went, it said that in 1860 is when um, industrialization of butter came about. So before that, most butter was made on the farm. On the homestead. Or, yeah, on the homestead. They, you know, hand churned it. They industrialized it in the 1860s. And then by by 1900, over half of the butter made in the United States was made in factories. That, that's when they the government started demanding it be passed, the milk be pasteurized because that pathogens, people were getting sick. It's usually a cleanliness factor of people mm-hmm. who's handling the, yeah. the product. I'm just trying to figure out when did pasteurization come about. But yeah, when did they start requiring that it had to be pasteurized? I think it was actually in the 1950s that it required that all milk be pasteurized. pasteurized. Um, but I was just trying to think when, when Louis Pasteur actually created the process of pasteurization. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't remember those dates on that. I don't either. I did read that at the end of the 1870s is when a Swedish engineer named Carl Gustav Patrick de Lavelle introduced the centrifugal cream separator. And that oh. changed the industry completely oh, yeah. instead of having to hand and do that. And just a quick note to those people who are listening and know about dairy equipment De Lavelle is a name. We actually have a De Lavelle milking system in our in our barn that is still around today. Oh, okay. So he must have started the whole thing. I mean, we have a we have bulk tank down there. All of our milkers are De Lavelle. Our jar is De Lavelle. I mean, we have a lot of De Lavelle stuff in our. So the name is still out there. It's still out there, and I assume that he probably 
founded the company or whatever. I yeah. didn't go any to so any farther that? than that. When was that? The 1870s? In the, in the uh, late 1870s. A very long time. Of it. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was a Swedish company, to be honest, until I was doing, doing this, this little research. research here. And then, let's see. I got to go back to my notes here quick. It says, on the rise of the 20th century, Americans were consuming 18 pounds of butter per capita. And that's, in today's terms, that's about a one and a half sticks of butter per person on a weekly basis. And then the Great Depression hit oh. and World War II. And butter oh. Oh, suddenly yeah. became a luxury item and got oh, yeah. very expensive. And so people stopped buying it or consuming because they had, didn't have a job or they didn't have enough money. And that's when margarine showed up. Yeah. Margarine was a cheap substitute for butter. Not very good for us as we know no. today. Yeah, That's how margarine started showing up. And I know margarine was actually supposed to be something else at one time. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I've read it. Yeah, it was like a non-food item. And I think we've touched on that before. Yeah, I, I can't um, remember. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there. And now, of course, you know, then the night in the 1980s, then they were like, oh, cholesterol and butter's bad for you. Yep. And so margarine was still a big thing. I know it was a big thing in our home. Oh, yeah. They started coming out with name brands, things that were, they used the word butter in the t their, their label so that people would buy it. We used butter on our table, but when it come to baking, it was always margarine because margarine was cheap. Yeah. It's extremely cheap. And yeah. so our cookies, bars, anything we baked, bread, whatever, that was all, all margarine was used for all of that. Um, I remember my mom buying butter in the big, big chunk of square when we were littler. But then I, at one point she started buying more margarine. And I'm sure it was when my, I had four brothers and when they got to be teenagers and the food consumption went up, she was saving mm -hmm. money somehow. Yep. That's I'm sure my mom, not, not that we had lots of kids. We only, there was only three of us kids, but you know, we were poor, but dad insisted we have butter on the table. And I could see that. Yep, there was butter. It was always butter on the table and margarine was used for other stuff because it didn't taste like butter. Mm -hmm. I don't care what they say. It doesn't taste no. like butter. Because I think the biggest thing was that it's more spreadable. Just Be true. Yeah, because yeah. You, know, you don't spread butter out of the fridge. No, you do not. Uh, let's see. Okay, so our focus was going to be talking about um, making butter on yep. your homestead. Now, you can make butter from store-bought cream. We are going to focus on using raw milk and raw cream to make your butter for this discussion. So when we talk about it, we're always going to be talking about raw butter. Making your own butter is actually a, a quite a simple process. It is. Um, you really just, you need cream. You need a vessel to put it into that seals, that has a lid on it, yep. that's airtight so, or it doesn't leak. It doesn't leak and you yep. won't make a mess. You don't need any other special equipment besides an arm that's strong yep. and time. Yep. And or, you can make your butter in a jar by simply shaking it. And I, who hasn't done that with their kids? School activity. I was just going to say, we did it in like second grade for Thanksgiving. We made butter. Yeah. And that's what we did. We put cream in a jar and I, I don't know, there might've been marbles in there. I don't remember, but I remember we, everybody got to yeah, you take, take your turn shaking it so or it whatever. So it wasn't so bad. Yes. I mean, really it's not hard to do. Now, of course, you know, we don't do that here. No. It's a little bit different process here, but it is as simple as that. If you want to do a little project and um, you want to keep your kids busy, yep. that's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, and it takes um, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes to of shaking to get it to turn because we did that a lot before we got our butter churn. We did it around here just to use up some of the excess cream that we had. Yeah, while well, we drank coffee, where <laughs> everybody's shaking quart jar with with uh, cream in it. Personally, I think knowing how to make butter is a, a very valuable skill. 
It allows you to use your oh, milk in one more one more way. way. Yep. And I mean, who doesn't love butter, really? If you've checked the price of butter lately in the store. Yeah. Being able to make your own, at least current at the time of this podcast, butter in the store is not cheap. I just priced it. I do believe in Walmart on their app. And I think uh, Land of Lakes, which is a local minute, that's a Minnesota, Minnesota brand. brand. And they were at Walmart, had it on sale. And I believe it was, it was $5 for a pound. Oh, okay. And that was the sale price. Oh, okay. The regular price was closer to six something, I think. And if you, I mean, you, if you have your own cow. Oh, you can taste, even yeah. my husband says he, he goes, he can taste the difference between store-bought and your butter. Oh, and I can too. I mean, but he's like, oh, you can tell the difference. Yeah. And of course, you know, the stuff in the store is pasteurized. Yeah. I think that really makes a difference too in the, in the, in the flavor. flavor. And then, you know, of course, your um, benefit of having raw milk or raw cream used for your butter because yeah. it just carries all those good things over. It's, let's see what's all in it. It's got antioxidants. And inflammatory. I think I saw that. And actually, somewhere I read that it was like it helps with weight loss, even though it goes against everything we were taught in the 90s. Oh, you yeah. Know, low yep. fat was the thing in the 90s. I was going to say, um, I believe that milk is a whole food. And so by consuming it, it has everything in it that helps you digest what's all important in that yes. milk. It's a whole product. So you consume that and you can get all the vitamins and all the stuff without adding anything else to your diet. Yep. And so that carries over in your butter as well if you're using raw cream for your butter. According to rawfarmusa.com, raw milk is full of immune-boosting vitamins. It's a great source of healthy cholesterol, fatty acids, antioxidants, and also helps with nutrient absorption, which I just mentioned here yeah. about um, milk being a whole food. I will tell you that um, I do have... Um, some customers who do make butter from our milk and they, um, these are homeschooling moms. These are your crunchy moms. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's what they are. And that's and, what they're labeled. Um, they tell me that each kid gets a stick of butter and they just eat it that way. Oh no. That's how much they believe in butter. The, the quality of the butter quality and the benefits of, of butter it. and the benefits of the butter. Now I love butter, but I can't do that. Um, I but mean, I, I thought a- that was really interesting. You talked about weight loss and stuff and yeah. I have somebody who, who makes butter and she um, actually makes kefir out of our cream. She eats an extremely high fat diet and she is built like a stick. Oh. Yes. And so I truly believe if you have your gut health correct, you can consume a lot of fat and still be a thin person. I won't say that about myself. No, me, me but, neither. But I just, I, I truly believe that just from the testimonials I get from the people who buy milk and cream from us. If I make a point to drink, see, I'm not a big milk drinker, but if I make a point to get a glass of milk a day, I don't get late afternoon, like, oh, I need a snack type thing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I feel more, um, I want to say content. That's not the word they use. Full? Full, yeah. Well, before we move on to our next topic, I am, we are going to have a short word from picosupply.com. Family-owned PeteCoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store. PeteCoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Mirico, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PeteCoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O-Supply.com. PeteCoSupply. 
Okay, so we've discussed here a little bit about um, raw milk, butter, and how good it is because we know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're just biased a little bit. Yes, in order to make raw butter, you need to find it. If you do not have your own cow... Yeah. You need to find a source for raw milk if this is and, a journey you're going to take. Because I'm fortunate. Yes. There are a few a few people in the area that sell it. Yes. No, but I have no idea how you go about finding somebody if you live like in a town. You know, like if you live in Wilmer. Okay. How do you right. find Besides oh, word of mouth. Okay, yeah. Word of mouth is one way. If you know somebody who already drinks raw milk or buys mm-hmm. raw milk, there is a website called realmilk.com. Okay. And it has a search on there and um, raw milk farmers are actually registered in there. And so you can just type in your zip code and it'll give you within a certain radius all oh. the farms that sell raw milk and that's sheep, goat, cow. Oh, okay. I don't know if, I, I know there's a camel dairy somewhere here in Minnesota, but I don't know if they're registered on there or if they sell raw milk. I do not know, but I believe there is a, a camel, camel dairy somewhere. I'm like going, that is very intriguing. <laughs> Our farm is listed on there and it usually tells you what they sell. Uh, not not all raw milk dairies do cream. We do sell cream off of our farm. Not all of them do, so you might have to learn how to remove your own cream. Separate your own cream. But still, you still got raw milk and that's, yeah. that's the key. I mean, it, the, it's as simple as, you know, I use a gravy ladle mm-hmm. you know i leave my milk set for well actually however whenever somebody pulls out a half gallon of milk to drink i'm like oh wait let me get that cream <laughs> and so i just i just use like uh, a gravy ladle and scoop it out and put it in another jar i mean i'm not getting every last drop of cream but i'm getting enough to use right and so then once you've found your source of raw milk and cream, whether that be your own cow or the neighbors or some other farm that you trust. Yes. Make sure you trust your farmer. Yeah, um, you have, you say, ask them their practices. How do they clean mm-hmm. before they milk? You know, how do they clean the udder and stuff like yep. that? They should, they should be able to tell you all that stuff and show you if you yep. want. And you say they should let you see their milk room and mm-hmm. their milk parlor. Yep. I, I totally think you should, they should be very um, transparent. You know, yeah. very, very transparent with how they do their animals. In fact, I got a call today on someone who was just happened to be passing through Minnesota asking if we she could get milk from me. And she did. She had lots of questions on how we sanitize. Um, if we give tours, not that she wanted one, she just wanted to know if we did it. And how we milked, um, what kind of cows I had, what I fed them, and if I used any if I vaccinated or I used any antibiotics. Of course, we don't use antibiotics out here because we're certified organic. organic yep. But there are vaccines you can give being certified organic. So that is a very good one to ask oh, your farmers. Yeah. Even if they're organic, you can. there's a, a lot of stuff you can still give your animals. And if you're anti-vaccine, you might want to know that information. Yeah. You got your milk or your cream, but we'll talk about getting milk as a whole product. Yeah. And now you got to get the cream off of there. So you just talked about um, yeah, I just ladle using it a ladle, and I do advise you to leave your milk sit. Do not yes. move it. Do not shake it. You want to get that cream line. Don't jiggle it because you want that heavy cream that's on top. And um, milk does separate into different creams. Your heaviest cream is on top, and then there's a light cream in the center. And then I've read that there's another layer in there right above the milk that people call coffee cream, but I use heavy cream in my oh, coffee. Oh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And actually, I always just, you know, I'd made an iced coffee before we came out here. And I'm like, where's my iced coffee? It might be sitting on top of my car. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. But anyway, so 
we use a cream separator out here. We have one. We have one from um, it's a, a motor sitch from Slavic Beauty, and I have found it. I did, found it on Amazon. That's where I ordered our cream separator. Oh, okay. And we've had our cream separator for two years and last month, I believe. I believe I think I got it in March. That thing runs daily here. It's very rare. Oh, I suppose that saved you lots of time. Oh yes. In fact, before we got the the um, cream separator. I rarely did anything with our cream. I, I personally, I don't like skim milk, so I like whole milk. So oh, yeah. we just drank it whole, and I simply bought coffee creamer at the store. <laughs> <laughs> I find that is so funny, <laughs> but that is what we did until we got that um, separator, and that changed everything out here. We should have had that years yes. ago. Yeah. It, I found it in a you know it was a refurbished unit, oh, and okay. so I got it for about half price. It was worth every penny paid for itself in less than a month. Oh. If you don't have more than one cow, it probably it's isn't not worth it. it. Um, but I have many cows. Yeah. And so for us, definitely worth it. And there's lots of cream separators out there. Oh, okay. So, um, so it's not like one brand has the market. No. And they're all over. My hap- Mine happens to be electric. They do have hand ones. Stay away from anything that's made in China. That comes from your husband, too. The motors aren't as good. They're kind oh. of a knockoff, cheap knockoff that is really expensive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do your research on that. And so you need to separate your cream. Everything I read is that if you're going to separate it manually, like you do with a, a ladle or yep. whatever, you really need to let that milk sit in your refrigerator for at least a day two days, the more it'll separate and the better your thick cream will be. Here, because we have the separator, our milk comes up from the barn and it is separated immediately. Before it's cooled. Before it's even cooled. Separated immediately and then our, our cream is chilled. That's how we do it. The pigs usually get the majority of our um, skim milk because we do gallons of milk. Oh, yeah. We do gallons. There's, I could not make enough mozzarella cheese to use that up. Um, So our pigs get most of that. And like I said before... I don't like skim milk. I'm we like, always well, have whole milk in our refrigerator. Well, no, technically, though, because I've been, because I want that cream because for current projects. But yeah, but it still has a little bit of milk. I was just going to say, you're probably at that 2%. Yeah, probably. Type, um, but what, yeah, the, the whole, equivalent of 2%. Yeah, anyway. but the whole milk is much, much better. Yeah, it, I prefer. It feels good on your palate. Yes. And you put a little chocolate powder in that. It does feel sinful then. Like, oh, yeah, this is like the store bought chocolate milk. Yep. Um, the next step you really need to decide is if you're going to if you're going to make sweet cream butter or cultured butter. We only make sweet cream butter here. Now we've thought about doing cultured. I had one of my milk customers actually make some cultured butter, and she shared it with me. And I really didn't care for it, but I'm not one who likes that tangy. Yeah, you thing. don't you don't like sour cream. I don't like Cottage yogurt. Cheese. So yeah, I could see you not liking yep, cultured I didn't, I didn't for it. So I don't know a whole lot about making cultured butter. So yeah. we're not going to talk about that. I'm just going to talk about sweet cream butter because that's what, what you, I know. Yeah. And maybe we'll do cultured butter some other time. So once you have your cream separated from your milk and you've decided you're going to make sweet cream butter, so you need to use it in the next few days. And some people, you know, collect it. Until yeah. they have enough. Even, you know, like I buy a gallon of milk for us to drink. A gallon of milk is not going to give you. You're going to get you a little, maybe a little over a pint. Maybe. Dep- you know, it all depends. Depends all on depends. which cow I get. It all depends on, on your... On time of year. Time of year feed. 
um, which cow was being milked, whatever. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of variables there. Um, but I would say that if you're making sweet cream butter, your cream should only maybe sit up to maybe seven days before oh, yeah, it's I've going never. to start to culture. It's going to, I, I gonna, read, I read a word and I liked it. it. It starts to evolve. Evolve. Yes. And that, so then you oh, might end up word. in the cultured butter department. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that's um, probably how you get it. Yeah. Once you've got enough cream to make your butter and you need to make your butter. So it's really simple. All you need to do is you need to have some type of a churn, whether that be a jar, your KitchenAid mixer, your blender, your food processor, or an actual butter churn which we use here, we use a butter, we use a milky butter churn. Um, you have to decide what, how you're going to do it. So if you're going to... And how much money you want to put into yeah, it, basically. Yeah, you know, I mean, a jar, it's any mm-hmm. jar, an old spaghetti sauce mm-hmm. jar will do. Yep. The thing is with a jar is that besides having that tight-fitting lid that I talked about earlier, you only fill the jar half full of cream. Oh, need the room for the agitation. Because you need it to agitate. So that's yeah. the ma- most important thing to remember about um, doing the jar method is that you you do not want to fill it too full because it won't agitate correctly. And that is it. Well, I should say you do need to bring your you do need to bring your milk up to a certain temperature. For us, fifty five to sixty degree cream works best. Now I've seen other people say they take it straight out of the refrigerator yeah. and use it. Some bring it to room temperature, whatever that is in your house. So you got to kind of play around with it because I really think it it makes a difference. Once again, the farm it came from your cow, you know how your cream reacts, whatever, and it might... With your environment. Yeah, it might take a little bit because if we don't warm our cream the way we know it should be, it either takes longer to churn. Sometimes it churns immediately. Sometimes it turns really quick. And the thickness of your cream makes a huge difference too as to how fast it will turn. Turn, okay. And I think the age of your cream makes a difference too. For us... Your cream is always about the same age. Yes, we try to do it within two to three days. Because if we do it the same day, we don't we don't get the butter yield that we do oh, okay. by leaving it. Yeah, uh, that's just something we've discovered in the process of time. Yeah, and we've tried super super thick cream for butter, and it gets to be very very hard to shape and use. The butter gets really really hard. Oh, okay. With that really high butter fat, we actually turned our cream separator down a little bit to make our our cream a little bit thinner because I think we end up with a better butter product. So it's just something you have to learn. It's just part of the learning curve or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, making butter is really quite simple. Oh, yeah. Now there's the one trick you told me if I wanted to use my KitchenAid. What do you want to do? Oh, yes. So, okay, we talked about the jar and um, a blender comes with a lid. Yep. I did butter when we had a single milk cow, Daisy. I did butter in our, we had a Ninja mixer. And oh, okay. it actually had kind of a like a paddle in it, and that worked really. Like that was that didn't take any time at all to make butter in there. You can use a KitchenAid mixer. That's that's very common. I yeah, see that I've on seen a, that on, on yep. videos and so stuff. So the biggest thing with a KitchenAid mixer is that you need it. It can make a real mess when it turns. When it actually turns, when you get your it's, butter and your buttermilk, because it's slopping around in there so fast that it will splatter, splatter. everywhere. So I actually have a splatter guard on my. Oh, okay. On, on my mixer that came with it when I yeah. went my KitchenAid mixer. And you need to throw a towel over the top of that as well. Oh, even with the splatter guard? Oh, yes, because it'll it'll come out of every little crevice. Now, I, you know, mine is a plastic, like, pour one. But I did see on Amazon they have actually, a like, a silicone one that goes over the top and oh. almost seals your, oh, okay. um, your bowl. Now, I don't know. I don't have any experience with it, but I would think that would be 
a nice little investment if you're going if to make you're butter. that's how you're going to do your butter. Yeah, if you're going to do butter in a KitchenAid mixer. And then, of course, the other thing is, is you can get yourself a churn. And there's a bazillion different types out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, you can get electric. You can get a hand crank. I mean, they're, they're glass, metal. I don't know if they sell wooden ones anymore, <laughs> anymore but yeah. I saw lots of them in my research um, from olden days. Yeah. And my, my dad talked about making butter on their dairy farm as a kid. And yeah, they did the whole plunger in the wooden barrel thingy yeah. or whatever. We on our farm, we have the Melky brand. It's an FJ10. It make, holds up to a gallon of, of cream. cream. Oh, wow. That's a lot of cream. Yeah, that's a lot of cream. And we've, we've done less. I think we've done as little as a half gallon. But for us, if we're going to go through the work, we're going to put a gallon in yeah. there. You know, we plug it in and it goes. Hand cranking, I'm at the age where that would be. No, no, no. My shoulder yep. would be. Yep, my shoulders she, would she's be She's making stretches my shoulder. But, you know, if you're thinking you might not have electricity at some point. That you or know, you have, you know. My this, turn won't work. <laughs> yeah, or you have little kids that could sit and crank. So it's kind of a personal choice on that Money-wise, because I'm sure an electric one is more expensive than a hand crank one, I'm sure. Okay, the electric is three to four hundred dollars yeah, more. So, is what I I'm mean, being so, told, so budget is an issue. Yes, that is that is about it as far as making the butter. Yeah. Now, after you've after your butter has broke, and I'm, when I say it's broke, I mean it's you've got a clump of butter and you've got a bunch of buttermilk in there. Now you've just made natural buttermilk. Yep. And that's pretty valuable. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you can you can use that you know anywhere. Well, any any recipe in any recipe that requires milk, you can use buttermilk in it. Um, That your milk from sweet cream butter is not cultured though. Yeah. So, and I don't know how uncultured buttermilk works in a lot of recipes we have today because most recipes call for a cultured buttermilk. So I don't know I don't know how that would work. Um, Any recipe I've tried our buttermilk in, it has been a recipe that's for fresh buttermilk, right. which is uncultured. Because my, my recipe calls for cultured buttermilk in my biscuits. Mm. And I haven't tried our buttermilk in those biscuits. I haven't. Oh, okay. Because um, I make cultured buttermilk. You make, you make fresh cream buttermilk. You don't make cultured buttermilk. We get fresh cream buttermilk off of our butter. Oh, and then you call But I also make cultured buttermilk. Okay. From whole milk, though. It's, it's, it's not the same. Okay. It's not the same. That's how I make my cultured buttermilk. Okay. I have tried putting like a cultured buttermilk using like a cultured buttermilk from the store and putting it into our buttermilk to see if it will culture. culture it. Okay. And it does culture it, but it's just a little on the weird side. <laughs> <laughs> I like these technical terms. <laughs> it's just a little, and I haven't really had a chance to really play around with it yet to see if it really works like just like a cultured buttermilk from the store. Um, well, baking wise, what yeah, are you baking, using? Wise baking wise and recipes. that type of thing. Um, I just haven't gotten that far with it. As though you so, have it, you, you need another project, right? Right. So you end up with butter, and you end up with buttermilk. The next thing you need to do is you need to wash your butter, and this is probably the most important the critical step, step yep. in making butter. You have to wash your butter, and if you're doing it by hand, it can be kind of a little tedious process. Yes. Because you need to keep rinsing that butter. And most people just do it with their hands. And they just constantly rinse, rinse, rinse. You know, there's there's things called butter paddles that you can help squeeze out some of the buttermilk. And you just keep manipulating it, manipulating it. When I did it by hand, I actually um, put gloves on. And so I wouldn't get all the 
greasiness all yeah. over my hands and just under the running water and just constantly shaping, pushing, yeah. prodding, whatever, trying to get it to run clear. Yeah, the few times I've done it, that was the hard that, part. That is the most tedious chore and yeah. it's, it's hard on my hands. Yeah, um, now I don't think I could do it at, at my age. You know, I don't have arthritis, but yet if I overuse my hands, they're stiff the mm-hmm. next day. In comes our butter churn. Now the milky brand butter churn that we have actually has a spout on the bottom and it allows us to take out all of the buttermilk, cap it, and we can rinse our butter using the machine. Now, a lot of churns are not like that. Your glass churns aren't like that. You have to dump it out. You have to dump everything and put it back in. But Rich actually, I believe he rinses our our butter for five minutes. He takes like four cups, about a quarter of, of cool water, pours it in the churn, lets the churn... Do its thing. Manipulate the butter and everything, empties it out, starts over, and does this for about five minutes. Okay. And our butter is the, and he just he keeps going until it's runs clear. clear. So it takes about four to five times of that rinsing the way he does it with that churn. That is one of the questions we get all the time about our butter churn is does it do everything? And it literally it does, does. besides separate the cream. No, <laughs> it doesn't separate the cream off the milk, but it does everything else for the butter. It 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 rinses it for us. I mean, you still have to work it, but you know, yeah. there's no hands-on. There's yeah. no hands-on. It it churns it, it then rinses it for us, and then if you're adding salt, we also use the churn. To put oh, to salt work in. the incorporate. Work, yep, incorporate the, the salt. salt. That's about it for us. We we weigh our butter, and then according to the weight is how we add our salt. salt. Okay, and um, our salt we do one teaspoon of salt per pound of butter. That seems to work for us. We do use Redmond salt. That's the only salt we use in our butter. Um, you have to have a really fine salt. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. It has to be almost a powder. That works the best because it dissolves and you don't have crunchy little pieces. Yeah. I've tried using like... That's um, with with cheese too. Yep, yep. You want... Do you use that with your cheese? No, I do not. Actually, I use, I use a kosher salt with my cheese. Okay. That cheese is a little bit better, but I don't think you can use like a Himalayan salt. No, I, I did my first batch. Yeah. Um, but, but that's the one thing. It's a little is, crunchy. Yeah. Um, the, there's not enough in the butter to dissolve those bigger crystals. So you need to have something that's yep. extremely fine. And yeah, we use Redmond Redmond salt and it used to be called popcorn salt because it's kind of like a powder. Yeah. I don't know what it's called now because they changed the name of it. That's that's what we use. And um, then you need to do something with your butter. Now you've got it salted or unsalted. Yep. And now you need to package it somehow or another. Now on our farm, we put it into quarter pound sticks. And so I, I weigh all the butter. Rich works the paddles and the um, board and he shapes our butter. So... We make rolls, so they're like little logs, four ounces, which is one stick, half yeah. a cup. And he makes rolls for our salted, and he squares it up like the stuff from the store in the quarters and makes some little boxes, whatever, rectangles for our unsalted. So when I look in the freezer, I just have to yeah. visually, I know, I don't even have to read you what to I read wrote the on there. Yep, I don't have to read my little labeling. And that is about it. I store mine in... In uh, Ziploc bags, um, I put four in there, so I have one pound of butter. I've seen other people who use a parchment paper, put their butter, to store their butter oh. in. They wrap it in parchment paper. You could probably use wax paper. I've seen people put it in, you know, plastic containers, Tupperware tubs, whatever, you know. I mean, Whatever they got. Yeah, whatever you got. When we first started, I wrapped ours in saran wrap. 
plastic wrap. That worked too. Yeah. That worked whatever, fine. Whatever you and have. if you get all of the buttermilk out correctly, you should not have butter that goes rancid because that's the biggest thing that happens if there's buttermilk left yep. in. And um, our, our, our butter, we can leave it sit on the table. I leave it out. Oh, yeah, we do too. It does not bother me to leave it out. We Well, we eat a lot of butter, so it doesn't last very long. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> I bet a stick goes by and three. Now, if I've made bread, it's gone very quickly. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I bet a stick doesn't. My husband uses it every morning when he fries eggs. If I happen to fry eggs for myself, I use butter. Um, I think I read it was six. It was it was like seven days that it would... It would um, sit on the counter and not start to evolve. Yes. But yeah, getting the buttermilk out is the biggest issue. Yep. You, you need to make sure you have that water. The water is running clear before you decide to do anything, take it any step further with, you know, shaping it, putting salt in it, whatever. You want to make sure that that's completely clean so you don't end up with rancid butter. And if you're questioning it, just make sure you put your butter back in the refrigerator. Yeah. I believe that our raw cream butter has the same shelf life as pasteurized butter or butter from the store. I don't have any problem. I haven't had anything go rancid on me. It stores in the freezer for a really long time. Yeah. I had some stuff that I've discovered at the bottom of the freezer, some unsalted butter, and that was still just as good. And I bet it was six months old, maybe eight months old, and it, it yeah. worked just fine. Everything that you've given me has lasted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't had it that long, but I'm now, sure a month or so. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that it would last for six months in the refrigerator no. just because it's going to age, yeah. evolve, as, evolve. You, as you call it. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, it will, you know, that's, it's going to happen. It's it's a raw product. Yeah, it's a raw it, product. It, that's just, you're not stopping it by putting it in the refrigerator. You're just simply slowing, slowing it, down, it down. Where that's in the like freezer, f- you're stopping it. Yeah, you know. That's like any fermented product. It's still fermenting in the fridge. Correct. Correct. And stuff because the few times that I did make butter, that was the issue. I did not get it rinsed well enough and it soured quickly on the kitchen counter. I was going to say by hand, I I never got our butter completely. Yep. It yeah. would change. We're like, eh. now having that churn has really changed it. Really changed it. Your buttermilk that comes off of your butter is a secondary product basically. And now... I've read where you need to use it in the next couple of days, but when I talk to our friend Kelsey, she says she she lets it sit in the refrigerator till it gets really good and ripe, and then she uses it for pancakes and biscuits oh. and that type. That's how she does it, and I don't know if that, when she says that, if <laughs> if it means that it's cultured a little bit for her in the refrigerator. I would assume so. Um, but, you know, if you leave it sit in there, you know, you make sure you check it to make sure it's still good. Yeah, you use, you yeah. use the senses God yep. gave you. Yeah, your nose, your you know, yep. if you dare taste it. Yep. I mean, if it if you can't stomach it, don't don't use it. I have heard that fresh buttermilk does really well for like if you're making liver, it helps takes if you oh. soak it in buttermilk, it helps take some of that livery taste, taste out, out of it. Yeah. I don't know. We don't really eat liver that way, so I don't really know. But I've had a couple people tell me that buttermilk can also that buttermilk can also be used it's as um, as your culture, as your culture for you know just like you would use cheese whey or yogurt whey or whatever oh, okay. to to make your kimchi or sauerkraut, sauerkraut, whatever. Or whatever. There are so many fermented vegetable combinations. Yeah, that you can. That is another way you could use that up. Let's um, see. One thing what that you I did, I miss something. Um, just a minor fact. Uh, this is from RawFarmsUSA.com. Um, one of their biggest thing was when if 
leave your butter on your counter. But then when you go to use a clean silverware and, and if you don't get enough the first time and you have to go back, they even went so far as to get out another knife so they wouldn't get food particles in it. Because if you're not using it fast enough, it may develop mold. But their thing was, it's just like a cheese. If it does develop mold, just scrape it off and go on. Throw that, throw the mold away and keep going. It's still good. Oh, and how I interesting. Thought, well, we use the same knife all day long on ours. <laughs> You know, I think we do too. It might be a couple days actually. So it's like, but I think you're using yours long enough, fast enough that it's not going to mold. Most likely. Yeah. yeah but not. you know, if, if you happen to have somebody, you know, somebody gifts you and you're a single person in a single household, I could see it happening. You know? I could. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. In our little search here, I found some other uses for butter. If you're overwhelmed with butter and you don't know what to, to do, do with it. all of it. But personally, I would want to consume it, probably then not use it in most of these applications. Oh, but okay. I'm like, all right, I want to know. <laughs> here's, here's a bunch of things that I found that um, you can actually use raw milk butter for. Skin care. Now, we talked a little bit about putting it on a wound, wound yeah. um, that type of thing. But somebody was telling me, one of my customers was telling me that it actually, she has a daughter with eczema. And she uses it on those areas of skin, and it seems to help. Oh. I thought, well, that's very interesting. Yeah. You know, I suppose if you've got all these antioxidants and all these good nutrients, you know, just like with kefir, because yep. you use kefir I on use every kefir. wound there is, yep. um, that butter would probably work the same way. Yeah. You know, uh, here's a thought, you know, how back when we were kids, if you got a burn, you were told to put butter on it. That's true. And then, of course, by the 80s, they were telling you, don't do that. All that does is keep it burning. Yeah. So now it makes me think, it's like, oh, is that another thing that somebody decided, no, you're going to use my product and so we're going to do a good camp- campaign program. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jill Winger was just, she's been on, on Facebook cam- lately on a campaign against these big corporations and trying to, to make us think that we shouldn't make stuff at home because it's going to be bad for you uh, yeah. or whatever, using your natural products and stuff. Um, oh, so, I have to go delve into yeah, this. Yeah, you have to take. <laughs> she's really on a kick right now with that, and it's very interesting to to see what she's come up with. What and she's doing. What she's with. doing. Butter also naturally desticks things, meaning there are natural oils in butter that are perfect for combating any and all things sticky. If you have been, say, doing craft projects and you've got glue all over your fingers, put some butter on it first. Oh. And then wash your hands with soap and water. It's supposed to take that residue off. I'm going to have to try this little trick because when I take labels off of my glass jars, you know, on my spaghetti sauce, whatever, yeah. you know, pickles, whatever I've bought, and I've put olive oil on mine to take that residue off. I'm going to try butter because yeah. I've got lots of butter. I yeah. have to buy olive oil. I don't have to buy butter. So I'm going to try <laughs> that and see if that works because it olive oil works really well. It okay. takes that completely off of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that was something. And I also read that it makes an excellent gum remover from your hair. So those of you have little kids. Oh, yeah. As a hairdresser, <laughs> I used to tell her peanut butter. Peanut butter works, but they say butter works as well. So if you've got lots of butter, try that. It comes out. It's better it, than cutting a hunk out of somebody's hair. Yeah. It comes out pain-free is what I'm told. It will also remove tree sap from your car. <laughs> let's go smear let's go smear butter yeah, on our it car. said it said to take um a soft cloth with some butter on it put it wherever the sappy parts yeah. are and rub it on there and then come back and um you wipe that off and then come back and wash it with soap and water and the sap will be gone um now i do this 
putting butter on a knife before you're going to cut something sticky, such as taffy, marshmallows, oh. those things. I do that. So that is, that is something that um, I do to make the knife slide through my sticky oh, items sense. better. Yeah. Yep. I also, butter also works as a WD-40 substitute if you don't have any. Um, it also said that um, it works well on cast iron to make it shiny, which... Makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, you, okay. you gotta you gotta grease them anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, butter but or I can see fat. in your house where butter you have an abundance of butter, but in my house where butter is a gift from you and it's <laughs> and then so it's you treasured. Know, it's treasured in my house and so, but I have much more lard, so I use lard for mm-hmm. that. You can also use it to shine up your leather pro- items. One, it has amino acids in it, which oh. protects it from ruining your leather. Is what I was reading, and I was here's one. You can put butter on the edge of your cut cheese to keep it, it, to seal it so that it doesn't dry out or get mold on it. That makes sense because I think I've read that, seen it in videos uh, where if you're going to put a, going to bandage what they call bandage your cheese is mm -hmm. that you use cheesecloth and an oil of some sort. And I could see using butter. It would take a lot of butter. I think I did watch a video where they used butter and they had a, they were on a dairy and so Mm -hmm. they had their own butter like you. And so they had abundance of butter. And but so I thought even for store-bought cheese, you know, when you cut open a block or oh, whatever yeah. and just put it on that cut edge, I mean. And you can also put it on the cut edge of an onion before you, if you cut up an onion, oh. or you, you know, cut it in half or whatever and put it on the cut edge and then put it in plastic wrap and put it in your refrigerator. It'll help keep that from drying out. I hadn't heard that one before. And, you know, onions and butter are pretty good when they're yeah. in a frying pan. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah, that on top getting. of the steak. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Adding butter to your boiling water before you cook pasta okay because it suppresses it from boiling over oh because it doesn't foam i hear i was thinking for it wouldn't stick together this is is what this said i don't know see i hear i've heard that too about so that doesn't stick you put some oil in there yeah but then people say then your sauce doesn't (laughs) stick stick. yeah i I would assume that the butter is going to react the same way but it was just another personal preference and then of course if you have a stuck ring on your hand butter it makes a very nice lubricant to uh, remove a ring if you need to and it also removes the fish smell from your hands you're supposed to put it on your hands first and then wash with soap and water and your fishy smell will be gone I wouldn't know for sure on that one and of course you you can make your own coffee creamer you know, I had talked earlier about, yeah. you know, how we had raw milk here, but we didn't utilize the cream for our coffee we bought at the store, but you can actually make your own um, coffee creamer. So in the keto world, low carb world, you can take and put um, a tablespoon of butter in your coffee in place of creamer. You know, oh, okay. I can't remember. They have a name for it. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about, too. Butter is basically a moisturizer so, type yeah. thing. And so people put it on their skin. Uh, you can use it as a lip balm. I've heard that you can put it on oh, your cuticles, cuticles? Yeah. and um, help with dry skin on your hands yeah, and I stuff. Here. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I could use <laughs> some like right I could now. Use right now. Yeah. <laughs> Beauty treatment later. Over. Yeah. <laughs> so those are Manicures. just a, yeah, those are just a few things you can use besides baking and everything. And raw milk butter can be used in place of store-bought butter and just about any recipe oh yeah um i i, I said so oh that's just a given yeah, yeah but but it's probably not to it some might people. not be to some people. you know it, it's really i mean it's special but you can still use it just as you would utilize your store-bought and butter your pasteurized yep, butter your pasteurized butter it works just as well um i haven't had to do anything that alter any recipe 
No. Um, when I make cookies or bars or pie crust, whatever. Um, yeah, my bread, I just throw yeah, it in I my just bread. I put it in my bread. Yep. And it works. It works just exactly the same. It's just that it's more nutrient dense for you and probably more health. I always just think it tastes better. It tastes better. It's healthier for you. I highly recommend it. It's not hard to do. Um, takes a little time. Takes a little time. Yeah, takes a little time. But um, raw if you milk don't have the time, sweet talk somebody into yeah, doing it for if, you. If you've ever had raw milk butter, you will not go back to store bought. No, it's hard. Yep, you will not go. You might go back for baking, but you're not going to yeah. go for your table. Because I actually, I, I still have some store bought <laughs> stuff in the freezer, but I used some of it the other day, and I'm like, oh, I need to use this up. It's starting to. It's Get been weird. in there in years, and I'm mm-hmm. starting to taste it now. So it's like, oh, I need to, because I probably have like probably six pounds left in there. And it's like, yeah, I need to pull that out and use some of it in my baking or something. Yeah. Cooking. But not on my bread. But not on your bread, on your homemade bread. Can't can't beat fresh butter on that. So to recap and make butter, you need to find a source for um, milk and cream, whether that be your own cow or from another farm, raw milk. You then separate your milk and cream. You let it age for a day or two, preferably. You don't have to, but preferably. Bring it to, and you're chilling it at that time. Yeah, You're yeah. chilling it. Don't leave it sitting on the counter. You're going to make something else. We're making sweet cream butter here. And then you bring it up to the temperature that you need. Ours happens to be 55 to 60 degrees. You put it in your churn, whether that be a jar, your jar mixer, blender, actual churn, um, and you churn your butter, then you need to make sure you, once it breaks, you want to take your buttermilk off of it and put that aside for another project. And you want to rinse your butter until it runs clear. The water must run clear before you're done, whether you do it in the churn or you do it by hand. The water must run clear so you don't end up with a rancid product. And then you salt it, unsalt it, shape it, Whatever you're going to do with it, put it in the containers that you want and it goes into the refrigerator or into the freezer. And it is as simple as that. I mean, it's simple. It does take, it does take a little bit of time. So I'd like to thank you for tuning in today and um, listening to us talk about making raw milk butter um, all the way from a cow to butter. There we are. There's our <laughs> process. Yum, yum. We'd like to give a special thank you to picosupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. So until next time, put some kefir on it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappis, are Two Gals Homesteading. To learn more, go to twogalshomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at facebook.com slash twogalshomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead Podcast is the responsibility of Media Trends X. The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Trends X, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA.